This is an Area Code podcast. Welcome back to Feel for the Game, the sports podcast where we talk about our feelings. I am Nick. And I'm Noah. And dude, it's been a second. Like we just we struggled to record and yeah, make sure we are, episodes go. We out. are very bad at being consistent and probably because we're no longer doing it in person and we have to like do it from our houses, which you would think makes it easier, but somehow it's made it harder to record. Yeah, those, that's a good point. I mean, COVID has basically ruined everything. And yeah, it's, it, it's made this harder to do as well. But I also feel like lack of consistency just pretty much sums up my entire basketball I'll say that, career. That permeates our existence. Yeah, so. yeah especially especially my basketball career uh, growing up. So. Yeah. Old memories. Okay, so... Well... This we don't do this very often, but because because we don't record as frequently as we used to, and we're not in person doing it, and I can't see your face, I I have to ask the question, your favorite question in the world, Noah, how are you doing today? <laughs> you son of a bitch. Uh, I am existing. That's my answer. Any anything notable in the sports world for you in the last like couple weeks? Anything that you've watched or just rewatched, listened to that you're excited about? I'll, I'm gonna give three quick answers. I rewatched what I'm gonna talk about today, so that was fun. I yesterday being Sunday, November what fifteenth. Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins had an amazing Hail Mary to win oh my game gosh. against the Buffalo Bills, which in years past, the Buffalo beating the Buffalo Bills on a Hail Mary means that you had a really bad game. To This season, that means that you actually played and beat a very good team. But that entire play was just ridiculous. I am so glad that you brought this up. We should just make the episode about that that the end of that game. It was... How beautiful. It was a piece of Renaissance art. I I was in the throes of a long day as a parent of two young children, and I was like losing it, running out of mental steam. And I told myself, I'm just going to turn on some football. We try not to watch too much TV with the kids, but I just I decided to turn on the game. And it was uh, I turned it on on the possession that Josh Allen threw the touchdown that digs. Yeah. And then what came after was even more incredible. <laughs> I just it was it was crazy. Yeah. yeah, like if if you don't if you don't if you don't know what we're talking about, just Google it and watch it, and then like look up the pictures that one of the photographers got because it, it legitimately looks like it could be a Renaissance painting. Like yeah. it, it will make you weep. It's so beautiful. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, so that's my second thing. The third thing that I'm excited about. That was your first thing, right? Basketball. Or, so that was my second thing. The oh, first yeah, was yeah. that I rewatched what we're talking about today. The third thing is that college basketball is going to be back very soon. I don't think it'll be back for long. I think COVID's going to derail the season pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for a, a brief period of time, I'm going to get to watch my beloved Jayhawks. And for all of my friends listening in Illinois, the University of Illinois is going to have a really good team this year. Like, if a tournament happens, they have a really good chance of making the Final Four. I don't think they have a really great chance of winning it, but I think they can make it really far in the tournament. Um, 
yeah, it's going to be a fun year. So those are my three things as a person who is existing. <laughs> uh, how, how, are, how are you doing? You, you're in the throes of being a parent, you said, but outside of that, how are yeah, you Yeah, it was a long weekend as a, as a parent, you know, checking, checking into that, that world. Uh, I'm, I don't know why I'm acting like I'm not a full-time parent every single day of my life, <laughs> but it was a long weekend, but um, we got through it. We actually turned on our Christmas lights on the outside of our house this year. And uh, it's a little early, but you know, that's, what are you going to do? It's, it's a weird year. So we're yeah. trying to, trying to get into the Christmas spirit. We watched a couple, tried to watch a couple Christmas movies with our oldest uh, Zion. And uh, he was really afraid of them all. So <laughs> that didn't work. That's a, that sounds about right for him. Yeah. And we are different people. I <laughs> am not a Christmas person. Like I actively had to talk my wife out of decorating this weekend because I just didn't want to deal with it. <laughs> I'm uh, not usually a Christmas person this early, but I, I don't know. There's something different about this year. Yeah. Do, do your thing. I just, I hate having to set up for Christmas stuff. Mm-hmm. Cause like, I don't care if we set up or don't set up, but I will inevitably be helping to set it up. And it just, it's not how I want to spend my weekend, but I can only put it off for so long. It's, it's going to come back probably this upcoming weekend and we will be a Christmas household, unfortunately. Yeah, man. Embrace it. Embrace it. It's going to be good. Okay. I think, uh, I think it's time to, to get into the topics today. So uh, each of us brought a specific athlete and a specific moment from their career uh to talk about in terms of uh just kind of like what it meant to us what we enjoyed about it and and kind of why we're why we're discussing it today so should we like virtual like um without seeing each other do rock paper scissors can that can that work yeah so i go like rock paper scissors shoot and then i say whatever i gotta say and then you say whatever you're gonna say best of one best four out of seven all right, ready? Are we ready? Yeah. I'll I'll say I'll say rock, paper, scissors, shoe, and then on shoe, we both have to say what okay. we okay. did. Alright. Rock, paper, scissors, shoe. Paper. Scissors. Oh, you hesitated. That makes you think you waited to hear what I said. Oh, that so it sounded like you hesitated on my end. So trick of um internet is that one of our connections are slow. Okay, okay. Okay, I'll go first. Also, I need to know, did you do the hand motions? Yes, I did. Okay, yeah, there was no way I couldn't <laughs> do it. It felt wrong not to not to do it. Um, yeah, so should I just give the background real really quickly, or what? what I mean, I it, it's your it's your oyster, man. Like whatever you got to do. We we need a little context though, because man, I hate <laughs> seafood. You hate uh, all foods. All right, Noah. here's the context. <laughs> here's the context for everyone. I'm going to take us back to a little year called 2002. 18 years ago. Fucking weird that it's that long ago. It's a Monday night. Seven year old, almost seven year old. I'm six years old at the time. This is January 7th. I'm going to be turning seven in about a month. Laying on the floor in my living room. Bedtime, usually eight o'clock. Monday nights. Noah gets to stay up until a certain program called WWE, at the time WWF, I believe, Monday Night Raw is over, at which point I have to go to bed. So I'm up past my bedtime, laying on the floor, 
I just want to make a note that this is a very already a very vivid uh, retelling of events, and my my story will not be this vivid. <laughs> well, you can think about it while I'm talking. You can you can you can paint. A no, I'm gonna listen. Well. I'm gonna listen. I'm not gonna think. About okay, okay. So there I am laying on the floor, excited because at the time and still to this day, one of my favorite wrestlers, Jeff Hardy. And if you know anything about wrestling, you you know my guy. Short, wiry dude, colorful hair, occasionally the face paint, weird like rock music, wore a weird like fishnet sleeve on his arms, wrist taker, high flyer, you know, the swanton bomb, jumping off of 20 foot ladders, all that good stuff. Just a dude that I loved. I was fascinated by him. He's going up against The Undertaker who's also one of my favorite wrestlers, but not at this time because he no longer is doing his dead man gimmick and has pivoted to his biker gimmick where he went oh, by is this... evil and the American badass. Wait, is this a uh, mask off? Uh, you're thinking of Kane. I'm thinking of Kane. Okay. This is a, also a good maybe point to mention that I don't have any idea what Noah's talking about right now. <laughs> That's part of the reason I'm get, going into so much details because I assume no one else knows what I'm talking <laughs> about either. Because for those of you who don't know, I'm a huge wrestling fan. I love wrestling. I I grew up watching it. I mean, just I absolutely love wrestling. Uh, so six year old Noah doesn't love the Undertaker right now because I don't really love his biker gimmick. Liked him better whenever he was you know still the dead man. He of course brings that back because he realizes he made a mistake. The week before, Jeff Hardy loses to Undertaker, but he says, hey, I challenge you next week for your title to a ladder match, which, real quick, a ladder match, simply, the championship belt hangs above the ring at about you know 15 feet, I think, and you have to climb a ladder to get up there, take the belt, and that's how you win. So anything goes, you just have to climb the ladder and grab the belt to win. Those were the best on the video games. The Dude, absolutely. They're so I mean, fun. Yeah, so so fun. Uh so there there is that. And here's why that's important. Jeff Hardy, that like he made his living in ladder matches. Him and his brother Matt uh won multiple tag team championships. They had a lot of ladder matches. Uh they, along with Edge and Christian and the Dudley Boys, uh at WrestleMania X seven had a TLC match, a table ladders chair match that just go back and watch that sometimes ignore the weird like at one point a woman named lita is going to run out and her thong is going to be showing it's very <laughs> it's problematic back then that you have to just kind of look past it i guess but fun match you get to see how jeff hardy's a risk taker you can also watch the first tlc in the previous wrestlemania uh so that's why it's important in undertaker Never done a ladder match in his life. Granted, he's seven foot tall. If he wanted to, he could probably just like jump up and grab the damn belt. But that's why it's important. So we get there. It's the next week. Flash forward again to Noah laying on on the bed or on the on the floor, and 
the match starts and Undertaker just starts beating the shit out of Jeff Hardy. Like, absolutely clobbering him. And that was kind of the point. Like, he told people, like, in interviews and stuff, he, he was like, Jeff Hardy's not going to walk out of here tonight. Like, I'm not just going to win. Like, I'm going to beat him so badly to where he can't walk. That way I can put this behind me and I can just focus on The Rock and Kurt Angle and Triple H, you know, people that I actually need to worry about protecting my belt from. And so within like five minutes, if that, probably within like two minutes, it looks like the match is over. Like Undertaker has like thrown Jeff Hardy out of the ring. Jeff Hardy's done a couple tricks, you know, like thrown a ladder at him and jumped out of the ring on him and all this stuff. I love that this, this is point, a sport where a couple of tricks equate to having a ladder thrown at you. <laughs> Throwing a ladder. Yeah, that's a, that's just a little trick he had up his, his fishnet <laughs> sleeve. Uh, and Undertaker starts to climb the ladder and he thinks, you know what? No, I have not inflicted enough pain and damage on this young man. So he decides to not grab the belt and end the match. He keeps going. And it just goes on. Like, he just keeps beating the shit out of him. And then every once in a while, Jeff Hardy is able to get some momentum. At one point, it looks like he actually might have a chance to win. But if you thought the state of Nevada was slow counting ballots, you've never watched a professional wrestler climb a ladder. It's the slowest fucking thing you'll ever see in your life. That was a good one. Uh, so, under, so under, hey, thanks, man. Undertaker stops that from happening, despite Jeff Hardy hitting him in the head with a chair a couple times. <laughs> and then Undertaker ends up winning. He goes to leave. Jeff Hardy grabs the microphone, starts screaming in the microphone that he's still standing. Undertaker promised that he would not be able to stand at the end of the match. Jeff Hardy says, you're wrong. I'm, I'm right here. I'm standing. Undertaker goes in and beats the shit out of him a little bit more. You haven't broke me, Taker! You haven't broke me! I'm still standing! Oh, no, you're not. Jeff Hardy again. Hey, I'm still standing, bitch. Undertaker gets in. Looks like he's about to clobber him. And Jeff Hardy's like hanging on the ropes, about to fall down. Undertaker instead grabs his arm and lifts it in victory. And starts shaking his head and pointing at him, giving him his respect. Uh, in wrestling parlance, that helped Jeff Hardy go over with the crowd, which is just a way of saying, like, oh, uh, an established wrestler like The Undertaker helped him get over. Sort of like, passed his torch, over the right? Essentially, gave him the popularity to an extent, not not quite to that extent. It's just a uh, you can either gain heat, which is where the fans start to hate you. Or you can get over, okay. which is when the fans get on your side. Undertaker coming back in and holding his arm up in admiration and respect was a way to get him over with the crowd. Uh, Jeff Hardy's theme music plays. Undertaker leaves the ring. He gets his moment in glory. Jeff Hardy does. And then Monday Night Raw is over. I go to bed feeling very excited, even though my favorite wrestler just got his ass kicked. Happy that he was resilient and persevered. And we'll get more into that later, I assume. Uh, but let's jump over to hear what your your moment was. Oh man, I want to dig so deep into that. I don't even want to talk about my thing so much just yet. <laughs> oh my gosh! So the 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 entire time, I I wasn't sure if this story was about the Undertaker or Jeff Hardy, 
And I'm very intrigued now knowing the end of the the narrative about how this impacted you as a Jeff Hardy fan. I I don't know, man. I, I want to hear more about that, but I'll 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 go ahead and tell my story, my moment real quick, and then I don't know. We'll have to figure out how to thread these these things a little bit, or should we just talk about yours right now? We'll figure it out. That's a fantastic story. My story will not be as vivid. It will not be as well told, but it is. Uh, it, it it's an NBA story. So, um, my story actually is only about a year old, 2019. Although, in, in all reality, 2019 does feel like it was seven years ago. Um, but it it was the 2019 NBA Finals, Game Five in particular, Warriors versus the Raptors. Uh, if you're an NBA fan, you probably know this series very well uh kevin durant was injured going into the playoffs i think um game five was his first game in 32 days i believe so he's been out for about a month and he's coming back in game five of the nba finals when the warriors are they have their back against the wall they're down 3-1 against the toronto raptors Kawhi Leonard, Noah, I'm sure you remember this. He was like on fire, fire. Like he he was playing such good basketball in the playoffs last year. Um, I feel like I need to say two years ago because in NBA seasons, it was two years ago at this point. Um, but he was just, I mean, he was balling out of his mind. He had the game seven buzzer beater against Philadelphia in the series before that and the first four games of the Toronto Warrior series he was playing great basketball as well and so for all intent and purposes it looked like the Warriors were done Kevin Durant's hurt um Steph Curry is doing his best to be the 2015 version of himself but I mean he's they're playing the Raptors and the Raptors are a really good basketball team especially defensively uh, and Steph Curry's not a big guy, so it's hard. Uh, but so here's here's sort of the the situation that really impacted me. Kevin Durant comes out, he plays uh, plays in the game, starts the game, um, jumps the tip, and the my the first thing you notice in the game is that Steph Curry is bawling out of his mind. He he comes out, and I think he hits. I think he scores seven quick points in the first quarter, something like that. He comes out real hot, hits a couple threes, gets to the bucket, makes a couple plays for other people on the team. He's just real hot. He's coming out, looks like he's he's really wanting to make sure that the Warriors win this game, obviously, um, being in a, an elimination game. And similarly, Kevin Durant, a guy that just was out dealing with a, a calf injury for a month, is also playing really well, like knocking down a couple back-to-back threes and just looking like he's confident, feeling good about his body and ready to go. And then at towards the sort of beginning of the second quarter, a moment that I think almost any NBA fan remembers is Kevin Durant goes down. Now, what's unique about this moment is not just that he got injured, to me, the the most unique thing about this moment is that he gets injured and the Toronto Raptors, the Toronto Raptors crowd begins to cheer. 
Ibaka trying to stay with Durant, knocks it away, and Durant's limping. Durant goes down, holding his leg. Ibaka goes up, and is fouled down the other end. And Durant grabbing that right leg. It's the right calf that put him out. And his teammates going over to check on him. They don't like to hear the fans yeah, cheering. I, I'm surprised by that, and and the players are telling them not to be doing that. No question. These Raptor fans have been wonderful, but to cheer for a player who gets injured. And the credit Sergi Baca, and there's the play right away. He knew it. You will not see a better sight than we just witnessed. Unfortunately, what happened to Kevin Durant? But Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam, Serge Ibaka telling the crowd, no, we are not going to cheer when this guy goes down. He, he makes a, the crossover dribble, goes down. They start cheering. And and it's like this weird feeling like, are you like, are they really like you almost don't really track that they're cheering that he got hurt. As as Serge Ibaka runs down the court with the basketball to to get fouled later. Uh, you almost don't track that they're cheering because he got hurt, but then it becomes blatantly obvious that that's what they're cheering about because Kevin Durant goes to stand up and tries to put weight on his foot and can't, and the crowd gets louder. Like it's it's a really weird, insane moment in sports that I don't think I've ever really witnessed before. I've never seen a crowd in person or otherwise like cheer for somebody that just got hurt. It was wild. Toronto Raptors fans, do you remember that? Do you remember? I don't know if you watched that game or not. Yeah, I do. No, I know. I remember exactly what you're talking about. Uh, and to, to put it in, not necessarily context, but to add on to what you're saying, the Toronto Raptors players, specifically, I remember Kyle Lowry, like immediately was going to the fans and was like telling them to shut up and to stop cheering. Like, you you can watch videos of him and I, I want to say maybe Pascal Siakam and maybe like Mark Gasol or somebody, but they're like looking at the crowd and like not just like hey shut up this isn't nice but like visibly upset that they're fans exactly do this. yeah yeah it's insane and Canadians are supposed to be and nice. and just in case I didn't make it clear like this is a game in Toronto it's not like there's like. It's not like they're in Golden State and there's like a section of Toronto yeah, fans. It's are, the entire yeah. stadium is yeah. doing this. So um, so this happens. Kevin Durant has to leave the court. Steph Curry's in the game, I believe, at this point, and actually leaves the game and walks Kevin Durant to the locker room with Bob Myers. I think uh, Curry even goes back there with him. I mean, it's just like a, a moment where the Warriors are just broken, right? Like their backs against the wall and then arguably the best basketball player in the world at this time is out with another injury and, and then enter Steph Curry back into the game, third quarter, fourth quarter, um, had to make a couple big shots to, to win the game. Clay Thompson obviously was also a big factor. DeMarcus Cousins played a lot of good minutes in that game, but the Warriors really like did everything in their power, left it all on the, on the floor to win that game. And they did go on and lose the series, but I just think what it took for them to will themselves, to will their team to victory against the Toronto Raptors under those circumstances with Kevin Durant being out for so long and then coming back and then losing him in the second quarter to another 
even more horrific injury than the previous injury that he had. I mean, it was a lot to bear. And I think what really connected with me was the post game. Uh, Steph Curry in particular was asked about Kevin Durant's injury. And I mean, he was like on the verge of tears, clearly just struggling to express how heartbroken he was for a dear friend and, and just like shifted the focus for that entire night, just shifted the focus so away from basketball. such a great win. Can and, you speak to that please? And towards the life of Kevin Durant, right? Like everybody gets so wrapped up in, you know, chasing championships and the greatness that you see on the floor, but life is more important in terms of, you know, caring about a, an individual and, and what they're going through on a daily basis. And you see the, I mean, the commitment and and the challenges and the, just the what's been thrown at, at, at Katie, you know, this this whole year, really. And he gave us what he had. He, he went out there and sacrificed his body. And you know how it turned out. So a part of our mentality and like the experiences, the shared experiences that we have as a team and what we've all been through, that's way more important than anything that happens out there, you know, long-term, anything that happens on the court. And I just feel so bad for him, to be honest. Like, that's – nobody should have to go through something like that, especially with this, this state. I think so much of the time when we when we watch sports, we think about um, success and greatness and all this stuff. And I think something something about that night, Steph Curry was able to really tap into – the real sort of purpose of of life, which is um, health and happiness, and I don't know, being able to. I, I don't know, man. Well, we can we can sort that out later. But it, it was just a really impactful moment to watch Steph Curry sort of talk about what it meant to watch Kevin Durant have to face another injury, knowing how hard he fought to get back to the place where he could play a game again. Uh, it was rough. It was rough, but they... At a point when people thought that he was even coming back too early. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So mine is a little... Uh, is a bit of a downer. I, I think yours is a little bit of an upper. I kind of like the the Jeff Hardy storyline, so... Well, then, if if yours is a downer, let's go, let's run with yours, talk about that, and then we can end the episode on a bit of a more uplifting. Yeah. Note. I love that idea. And then we can just dangle the carrot of the resolution of my story a little bit longer. Keep people tuned in till the end. <laughs> I think that's how podcasts work, right? Classic narrative structure. Yeah. They can't just fast forward to the end. Can they? I don't think that's how podcasts work. I don't think they can fast forward. So they're stuck listening. Yeah. Dis- disable fast forwarding on this one. Whenever you upload it. What stood out to me was Steph Curry's character that night. Um, I think the more I watch sports, the more impressed I am by people's humanity. I think for so much of my life, I've watched professional athletes and it's, you you only, it, it seems like you don't always get glimpses into like who they really, really are as people. And that night, it felt like the world got a glimpse of, of who Steph Curry really, really is as people, as a person, which is this like dude that's super humble, super, super caring, understands that there are larger things in life than his job 
um, and success, right? Uh, you know, even winning a championship. I think he even has a, a moment in the interview where he says, you know, we don't we don't feel like we have anything to prove anymore at this point. Like we've we've proven ourselves over the last four or five years. Like we don't have anything else to prove. And so to see your 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 guy go down like this is heartbreaking. You know, it's just like I don't know. I think that humanity is something you don't get to see very often, which I'm I'm interested to know how that plays into pro wrestling because it it feels like it's um a little bit of a different type of professional sport than maybe the big three you know but mm -hmm. yeah one of the things too i like about the moment you're talking about the uh not necessarily the the, the post game co uh, news conference but uh like just the moment of like what you're saying you even you even got to see through his injury play out like you got to see the character and the human or the, you know, the personhood, the humanity of Kyle Lowry and those, you know, the guys on the Raptors who are going to their fans and saying, you know, incredulous that they aren't empathizing with what's happening here and are treating Kevin Durant as if he's not a person. Like, so you get to see their character because, yeah. you know, people that grew up watching basketball in the seventies, eighties and nineties, they, they think the league's soft now. Like they hate, like they want it to be like the bad boy Pistons, like all these rivalries and they want mouse the pals shit all the time. And it's like, no, like, it's okay for them to respect each other and treat each other. Like this is healthy that the people that they like each other, it's still fun when there are rivalries, but that shouldn't spell out to being happy when someone gets injured. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so I, I, I think you see that. Yeah, from from the the Toronto players who are upset at their fans for how they are reacting to the incident. And you see it from other Warriors players as well, just for how heartbroken they are. Like Curry is the face of that because of that conference. Uh but you you see the coaches and the other players also reacting uh in real time the same way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's a great point about the Toronto Raptors players. Like they again did exemplify this idea of like man it this the, this game this job success like it all we all want it but like at the end of the day we want our health and we want you know our, our mental and emotional and physical well-being more than we want those things and i just think that that was so well exemplified that night just across the board and it, it really like it really like meant a lot to me to see that i just um yeah just proud of those guys for showing that to the world uh that's enough that's enough no more no more <laughs> warriors no more caring about uh well-being and let's get to health. a real sport that doesn't care about well-being or health <laughs> the joke there being that wrestling is not a real sport and they very clearly do not care about well-being and health uh it's funny you said you're curious to see how wrestling can bring in the humanity and all that stuff a moment ago. I'm laughing because they're able to do it. Obviously, it's a bit of a soap opera way, but the reason they're able to do it is because it's scripted. Like wrestling isn't real in the way, like yeah, th those fighters with very few exceptions, they go in knowing exactly what's going to happen, and they plan out. It's it's like it's still a very real skill because you might not know this, Nick. So I'll, I'll explain it to you a little bit. But when you watch a match, that's not like a choreographed thing that they've just memorized for you know ten minutes. Hey, at this moment we do this. Like they're calling that stuff in real time. 
Like if, if you mm. look closely, their cues and keys, or you can see them kind of whispering to each other. And usually one of the fighters is leading the match. So he's going to be the one, or she's going to be the one. Uh, you know, it, this, this needs to be a bonus calling out the moves. This needs to be a bonus episode of just you explaining <laughs> how wrestling works. Dude, I'll give you a tip here too. Uh, let me finish. Let me finish what I'm saying here. and I'll give you a tip on wrestling, but uh, just, yeah. So you have essentially one of them is leading the dance. And so if you watch closely, you'll kind of see them whispering, you know, maybe, you know, calling out a couple of the, of the moves that are going to happen here pretty soon. Some of the bigger spots are planned. Like if you watch a match and someone jumps off of a 20 foot ladder Mm -hmm. onto another human who is on top of a table, that's called a spot. Like that was planned. Like that spot was planned. But your everything else in the match is just kind of improv. Like that's one way to look at it. It's just one big improvisation. Uh, so here's what I was gonna say. Here's my little tip for you. If you ever watch wrestling, yeah. Which if you if you're this if you're this old and you're not watching wrestling, you're probably never going to. But should you ever find yourself watching professional wrestling, I'm gonna tell you. I have a, how to I have know. a situation. Okay. Real quick, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna real quick interject. I have a. I so I used to watch wrestling growing up. My brother was really into it, and I watched a little bit. Uh, but recently, I had a situation where I watched wrestling, and it was not uh, my own control. We were at a Chili's, and wrestling was on. It was like a I guess it was I don't know what night it was. It was a night where wrestling is. It was either end. Monday Night Raw, it was either Tuesday Night <laughs> AEW, or it was Friday Night SmackDown, but something like that. Well, let me tell you, man, it was on, and it was. It was it was on, man. And I my three year old who I just said earlier in this episode was afraid of Christmas movies, was glued like he could not keep his eyeballs off of wrestling. Yes. And and I don't know which wrestler it was, but I mean, it was it was dark and creepy looking and. I'm pretty sure he's scarred and I like I didn't know what to do. We me and him, my me and my wife were like trying to figure out if we should be those people that ask them to change the channel or not for the sake of our three year old. <laughs> I'm sure I watched worse at his age and I turned out well, maybe I'm not the best example. <laughs> uh anyway, the here here's here's your tip. Next time you're at a Chili's and you're watching wrestling. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you have nothing else to do, here's how you can tell if the match is going to end or not. When a person is being pinned, if their eyes are open, they're going to kick out. Whoa, that's a real thing. And if their eyes are closed, the match is, this is over. a real thing. This is like proven, proven science. Yes, yeah, because w- what, what you'll see, it, go, it's nine times out of 10. You know what? 99 times out of 100. I'll bump it up even more. Watch a match. Because if their eyes are open, and usually what happens is the ref will be counting at a, at, at a point where the person who's being pinned can see them. And that is so they can time their kick out before it hits hmm. three. Because you want to you up the drama. So if your eyes are open, you can see the ref, you know, one, two. And you can kick out as he goes on the downswing to make it look really close. If the eyes are closed, that's your way of signaling to the ref and to the other person. Like, hey, the match is over. Like, pin me, like I'm done. Wow. So there's a little insider baseball like for you. All right, Jeff Hardy. Here's why that match meant a lot to me. Let's, I'll just jump right into it. I, growing up, was the really small, scrawny kid, you know, uh, I mean, I was only six years old, so of course I'm small, but like, I was small for my age, and I had all, like, I was, I was very, I was a small kid, 
until really my sophomore year of high school. I got a, grew a couple inches, and I was like maybe at that point like five eight, five nine, let's say. And I remember being like, okay, like at least like that's short, but I was like five two up until right now, so I'll take it. Uh, then luckily over my sophomore and junior year, I grew another like four or five inches. And so like looking at me now, like I'm scrawny, like I'm skinny. So you, I'm like small in that way, but I'm taller. But like when I was six, I was like one foot two, like 32 pounds. Like I was just small, <laughs> but so was Jeff Hardy. And so I liked that. Like I was drawn to him. He was this dude who, even though he was small, was able to do this thing that I was fascinated with. And it didn't like let him stop. Like I didn't stop him. He he was able to use his body to his advantage. So he you know he he uses quickness in a sport that obviously focuses on big burly strength. He used his quickness and agility to his advantage, and then also just decided that he was going to be the risk taker. He was going to jump off the ropes. He was going to you know do all these high risk, high reward uh, maneuvers, just kind of like laying it out all out on the line. And at six years old, you don't have a lot of for, you know knowledge <laughs> you know so i just see this dude and like not that i wanted to be a wrestler but I, I i saw a dude who like me was smaller just just going for it and even though he lost i was able to go to bed of like okay like this dude challenged him and essentially was saying you're too small like you're not gonna you don't matter to me like i'm gonna put you down and he just kept rising to the occasion to me like no like you keep doing what you're doing like i'm gonna get up every time and like, i just remember even at six years old being like really drawn to that and uh impressed and to the point where like yeah years later I, I i looked up this match i could have sworn that i watched it when i was like 12 or 13 just because of the impact it had on me i wouldn't have expected a six-year-old to retain yeah that's fascinating but that's definitely where it came from like i i was i was that small scrawny kid and i saw the small scrawny kid doing his best to stand up to the quote-unquote bully that's so fascinating i mean i think that speaks so much to like this idea of seeing seeing people who look like you growing up in different places right and and being able to kind of latch on to something that is familiar and that makes a lot of sense so i'm gonna ask a, another a deeper question so this idea of him of jeff hardy obviously losing in this match right he like he lost the match but his resilience to sort of keep fighting and to keep standing up to almost as as almost as if to say like i don't care how many times i lose like i'm gonna keep trying does that did that resonate in any personal way or is it oh yeah for sure like i like i i can remember not at not six as i got older you know uh we've talked about people know that i'm big you know played basketball my whole life and everything and being that small kid that was that made it harder but i i can remember being like okay like it's fine like maybe it's going to be harder for me to score buckets. Like cause I'm smaller. Like it's, it's going to be hard for me to get to the basket, but mm -hmm. I can defend really well. Like I can use my quickness and everything to just be a really good defender. So like, I'll just focus on that. And if I get beat, so be it. But like, this is my strength. I'm going to play into it and I'm going to keep going to these practices. I'm going to keep going and playing to get better. Uh, not that I became like a superstar or anything, but I, I just I mean clearly not. You're you're sitting here doing this podcast with me. We're not come on. Our basketball careers peaked early. We're pieces of shit. That's what we are. Uh <laughs> but yeah, I can remember like I, I'm sure I could draw a thread to that moment, like watching that match of like, hey, like this dude got beat. 
and he showed up that same night. He was like, okay, you beat me once, like beat me again. Like, let's keep going. You know, I can remember playing basketball with my older brothers and they would always beat me. I mean, obviously my older brother, he was seven years older, but my brother, who's only a year and a half older than me, he would beat me every time because he was bigger than me. But like that wouldn't stop me from like wanting to play him again because I knew I would get better and eventually I would get the win. Yeah, for sure. So That's awesome. Yeah, I I fully, like I, I can resonate with that. I think when I, you have, like I'm thinking about my favorite athletes growing up and the common denominator is that they were all like smaller guys for the sport that they played. Um, Allen Iverson comes to mind. Uh, I used to be a super big fan of uh, Dustin Pedroia, Boston Red Sox, second baseman, like all these like little guys who were sort of scrappy and uh, resilient. Like I, I, I resonate with that as well because I was as similar it for anyone who don't know, me and Noah, how we look physically, we, very similar builds, like skinny, lanky, tall, skinny, lanky boys. <laughs> yeah. So I resonate with that. That's, that's good. Okay. Um, I think, I mean, we're 40 minutes into this. We should, um, uh, conclude in conclusion. <laughs> Ring the bell. The match is over. I'll, I'll go wrestling on it. Yeah, you you've closed your eyes. You you're you're getting I've closed the eyes. I'm uh, letting the ref count to 3. Yeah. I love that so much. I'm going to use that in so many ways. Dude, here, I'll give you one more before we end out. Here's one more thing. You ever watch a match and there's a, a big spot happens like I was saying earlier, they go through a table or they fall off a ladder or something? Mm-hmm. Watch the refs or the officials cuz what they'll do, they'll run up and they're going to grab each person's hand. They're going to run up and grab a hand. And you're going to see the person do a very, it's, it's light, but if you see the person squeeze back, I, I can't remember which way it is. I believe if they squeeze back, they're saying they're okay. That's saying like, hey, I'm fine. Like, the huh. match is good to go on. If they don't squeeze back, that means, hey, I just fucked something up. You need to get me out of this match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like some concussion protocol mm-hmm. or something yeah, so like, like that. So if they don't squeeze, the ref takes that as, okay, there's something wrong. They didn't squeeze my hand. I might have that backwards. It might be then if they squeeze, it's insane. Like, hey, no, you need to stay here. Like, I need help. But I, I believe if they don't squeeze, it's the issue. Um, but there's another thing to look for. Like you, they do it pretty. They're really good and quick about it, so you don't always see the squeeze or the not squeeze. But you'll see. You can see the refs. Just anything. If you pull up a wrestling highlight, you'll see it. You'll see the ref run over and grab their hand to see if they get the squeeze or not. Well, I know one thing I can't wait for, and that's for uh, Chili's to open back up, so I can go get some <laughs> chicken tenders and catch a catch a wrestling match. You, Monday, Tuesday, or Friday night, you just got to head over there, all right? And it's going to be on. Yeah, I mean, well... USA TV and TNT, in that order. We got to figure out uh, how to get COVID to go away first, but yes, yes. I I think that's it. Let's let's wrap up the show. So, um, so normally we kind of score how the moment that we talked about sort of impacted us personally from a cultural perspective and um, sort of the sport specifically. I think today let's just kind of give like a a general summation of of the impact. I'll go first, and then you can you can close us out. How's that sound? Yeah, that's it. I I love seeing humanity in professional athletes. It's it's like it, it makes me feel more connected than I do when I'm just watching people who are just really amazing at shit, and I can't do any of those things when I go play basketball or whatever. So I'm going to go like, man, 
I just want to say more humanity in sports is great. There's all this talk about like athletes just being athletes and just going home and, and that being it. I don't want that to be the reality. I want athletes to be as true to themselves as human as possible. I think it's going to be better for all of us who get to see that. Um, so that was that was my big takeaway, man. Like humanity wins, supporting each other wins. Um, championships are great, success is great, money is great. But at the end of the day, like, what is all of that if we don't have each other and if we don't have sort of peace within ourselves? And I think, yeah, man, Steph Curry, the Raptors that night, the Warriors organization, like, yeah, I just feel like um, represented that on that given night. So that was my big takeaway. That was beautiful. I don't even want to say anything after that. Um, I'm going to go quick just because I think I kind of already covered it, but I think my like summation of it is, I mean, I didn't really think about it this way until you brought it up, but like the idea that representation obviously matters. And I say that as a white man. So like I'm represented everywhere, <laughs> but, but specific representation, like, give yourself that right. Specific yeah, like, representation. Like I, I was watching a guy who had like, at the time I could see myself in as a six year old, I saw, you know, like I said, smaller, wiry dude. He listened to music that I liked that a lot of other people didn't, you know, like even at six years old, I, I found myself drawn to other things. Uh, luckily I didn't get drawn into drugs like he did, but that's another story, I guess. Um, Yikes. He was the younger brother, like, cause his older brother was a, a wrestler. And so like, I'm the youngest. So I, it just it felt like there's a lot of things I could see myself in him. Um, and outside of that, yeah, just the, this idea of perseverance, like he just kept pushing and like, <laughs> I mean, honestly, we can all learn from that in 2020 <laughs> with entire mm. government and virus and just this idea that, I mean, hey, nothing's going to change in 2021. Like it's just a date, but this idea that 2020 has been so awful, but like you're still standing up, like you're going to keep getting up and pushing through and eventually It'll be five years later, maybe at this rate, it probably will be five years later that COVID's taken care of, but you'll get your win in a triple threat match at Armageddon over Edge and Triple H. And then you'll finally be the champion. That's what Jeff Hardy did. That's how he won his first championship. That's the title of the episode. You'll get your win in a, whatever you just said. (laughs) (laughs) You'll get your win in a triple threat match at Armageddon in 2008. That's it. That's it. That's the title of the episode. (laughs) All right. That's a mouthful. We might want to read that. <laughs> All right. I think that's it. I think uh, this was fun. And I think we're out. Next next, next episode is going to be uh, a bonus of Noah just explaining <laughs> wrestling to everybody. Yeah. We'll see how that one goes. Here, I don't know if we've, we, I don't think we've done like the music or the whatever outro in a while. Oh, yeah. Go I'm ahead gonna, if you I'm got it. Do yeah. one just because I was talking about wrestling. This is more of a recommendation. We don't really need to use it as an outro. But my favorite band, the Mountain Goats, have an album called Beat the Champ that is all about professional wrestling. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, go listen to that album. Go watch Jeff Hardy, Undertaker. It's on YouTube in its entirety. You can literally go watch the match right now. It's amazing. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll put, we'll put a link in our show notes. Watch, dude, there you go. And then go, let's put a link to Kevin Durant tearing his Achilles oh, as well. Brutal. brutal. And, the, and, and the conference afterwards. Yeah. We love you, Katie. We love you, Steph. Jeff Hardy, thanks for giving Noah something to be excited about as a six-year-old. Right after my parents' divorce, I needed it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. 
see you, man. This was fun. Yeah, see ya. Feel for the Game is an Area Code production. Produced and edited by Nick Thompson and Noah Kirby. Follow Feel for the Game on Instagram at Feel for the Game Pod. And to learn more about Feel for the Game and Area Code, visit areacodenetwork.com. This is an Area Code podcast.